Welcome to After Hours, conversations for music educators, presented by Amro Music. This is where we share ideas and work towards solutions to better serve your students. This week, Nick Averwater and his three guests will be talking about hosting a fall beginner band concert. The educators joining Nick include Jocelyn Hembrook and Tyler Hart, both from DeSoto Central Middle School in South Haven, Mississippi, and Trey Reilly, a retired band director who spent 23 years at the middle school and high school in Paragould, Arkansas, and 11 years at Riverview High School in Searcy, Arkansas. This conversation was recorded October 12, 2021. Hello, everyone, and welcome to After Hours Conversations for Music Educators. It is so good to see everyone. It's been a little while since we have gotten back together, and uh, Tyler, Jocelyn, Trey, it's good to see you. Welcome to After Hours. Glad to be here. Yeah. So just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit, if you don't mind, share with us who you are, where you're from, what you do, and to help us better know you, just a little fun fact, how about where is your favorite place to take a trip in the summer when you've actually got some time off that you can enjoy and it's not marching band season. So Jocelyn, ladies first, we'll let you start. How are you today, Jocelyn? <laughs> I'm doing good, thanks. Uh, I'm Jocelyn Hembrook. I am a band director at DeSoto Central Middle School and my favorite place to go is probably the Northeast, like Connecticut, uh, Rhode Island area. Um, my grandmother used to live up there and we used to travel up there all the time. And I really love it. Fantastic. Anywhere where there's not humidity in the summer is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Perfect. Tyler, welcome. Good to see you. Good to see you too, Nick. Thanks for having us. So if you don't mind, share with us who you are, where you're from, what you do, and where's your favorite place to take a little summer trip? Um, I'm Tyler Hart, and I also teach here at DeSoto Central Middle School. Jocelyn and I are co-workers. Um, and... I think my favorite place to vacation, I'm the weird one. I like to go further south. Uh, we went to Costa Rica one year and had an absolute blast down there, just uh, living in the jungle, more or less. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of great memories made in Costa Rica, and just to get to see the chocolate farms where they make all the cocoa beans and everything. So um, it's a great time. Yeah. That's we like fan. the community. <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. Well, Trey, good to see you. Thanks for joining us out of retirement, my friend. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Um, yeah, I retired, I guess, a little over two years ago, um, right before COVID hit. So uh, it was good timing for a lot of reasons, but that without knowing it, it was even a, a better time than I suspect suspected. Um, and I, when I retired, I was kind of wondering, I had some ideas of, of what I was going to do, but I uh, wasn't sure how much music I would... I knew I was for sure going to, want to do some things, but as it ends up, I've really wanted to stay uh, very involved in music things. So um, I'm an adjunct professor of music at ASU. I teach a class there and also a university supervisor. So I've had four students that I go up to Jonesboro to watch uh, and observe and give them critiques and comments. Uh, I'm also executive secretary of the uh, Arkansas Small Band Association. So uh, I have contact. We have about 50 member schools. So I do a lot of organizing and things, you know, for that organization. And I still teach lessons at uh, two schools here in town, Bald Knob, LaDonna's old uh, haunts. I teach lessons there and also at Riverview. So uh, between that, some other things and, and uh, four grandkids living in town right now, uh, I stay uh, plenty busy. Certainly sounds like it. We'll appreciate you joining us today and uh, excited to just sit down with everyone and talk about the, the beginner concert. Now, before we get going, if you could just help us to 
lay out the groundwork of, of the different, how about the, the different performances you host in the first year? If you can just take us through that first year. And then of course, we're going to really unpack that first one that you do, whether it be mid fall or early winter, or whenever it was, we'll dive in and unpack that more thoroughly. So Trey, we'll start with you. When is the first time that the beginners that you taught would be on stage and performing in front of individuals and what other performances did you line up throughout that first year? Well, we typically would have them ready um, uh, in December. We'd have a fall concert and there's, there's, I think the, the beginning books, like the makers of those kind of plan on that. Cause there's like jingle bells. that's pretty early in the book and, and other tunes like that. We don't keep it all Christmas tunes or anything like that, but we, we stay in the book. So that's not really much of a, a deviation for what they're learning every day. We just try to get them a little more polished than we might otherwise. And then in February, typically in February, we would have a concert just for them. And we can talk about what we do there later, but that was to, to feature them and, and a few other things that we do there. We'd also pair them up with either a junior high jazz band or a senior high jazz band, typically the senior high. So they could see kind of where their kids are going to, you know, where we want to, uh, them to go from where they are now to, to when they get in high school. And then we'll have the final concert typically in May. And, and that'll be the first concert where they actually play like a real band piece, but we'd still do, there's some good band pieces in their essential elements books. So uh, typically they'll do like three, you know, full band pieces in May. Fantastic. So you'd have three, unique, different performances for the beginners in that first year. Tyler and Jocelyn, how about with you? Jocelyn, we'll start with you. Um, take us through your calendar for the beginner performance schedule in that first year. Yeah, so typically we do something called band night at the high school, and that has grades 6 through 12, and it's all on the high school football field, and we kind of space them out, and each grade gets, you know, uh, a tune that they play, and the sixth grade usually plays uh, – like a line under the book and they have to memorize it and then like go Jags go or something like that. Uh, this year we decided to do a Halloween concert and we're going to feature the sixth grade at that concert, kind of teaching the parents um, and showing them the process of where we started and where we are now. So we're going to show them some warm up stuff and mouthpiece stuff. And like, this is how we first started making our sounds. Um, and then we're going to do a couple lines out of the book as well. Um, and the percussion are going to do their, their thing. Um, and then we have a winter concert in December. It's usually like the first week or so in December, um, where all grades play, including sixth grade. We usually do a line out of the book and we also do uh, sheet music, like winter medley or something like that. Um, and we also have another tune that we're thinking about. And then we have a spring concert, usually mid-April or early May, depending on the testing schedule. <laughs> um, and, uh, and last year, we actually added some online concerts, too, that were taken during class. And the parents and the kids really enjoyed that, like in January, February, March, early before we actually did a concert. So we kind of sprinkle those throughout and give the kids something to look forward to throughout that time. That's fantastic. Well, certainly a lot for us to unpack together. And, and I love that for, for all of you, there was a, an emphasis on early performance and uh, nobody said we waited until the kids were ready. Uh, and I didn't hear that comment once. And so we'll unpack about, you know, your strategy and, and everything there. So Tyler, 
the, with the, the outline that Jocelyn just laid out, help us to identify perhaps what the objectives are that you all lay out with each of the performances. So you have your band day and then you've got the Halloween concert. What's your measuring stick for success on each of these? Um, Cause I suspect if you went in and from strictly a musicianship standpoint, perhaps that you might have with your older ensembles or a high school band, that that would be frustrating or might set you up for success. So what is it that you approach these concerts or these beginner events for and look for in, in establishing success? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So <clears throat> when we start off, um, we typically just think about, okay, you know, if, if you look at the, the beginner main book, whatever method you're using, um, it kind of lines you up about where you're supposed to be based on how you're doing throughout the year. Uh, so we use that as kind of like a preliminary um, but we don't necessarily stick to it. Like we're not going for, all right, we got to get to line 26 by this concert. We got to get to line 48 by this concert. Um, we could kind of just set the kids up to where we want them to sound good and have a lot of confidence. And as long as they're confident and they are having fun, uh, then that's what we're going to play on the concert. Um, it doesn't matter uh, so much to us. Like we've got to have a grade three or a grade one or a grade two or whatever. Uh, we just want the kids to have a good time and, and be successful playing their instrument and have a, have a fun time doing it. So as we approach that first uh, performance, we typically get to um, like, I don't know, the twenties or something in the, in the band book, depending on what method book you use. Um, and we play a couple of those lines in that area. And then uh, we also want to get them a little more spirited. So we do like a go Jags go kind of thing, uh, go team go. Um, and they play that as well. Um, and they feel really confident about playing that. They get really excited about playing that because they get to play it with the high school and they get to play it with the other middle schoolers. Um, so getting them involved and excited in that music um, is just a great experience for them. Uh, and then as Jocelyn mentioned, as we approach our Christmas concert, we really want them to get to where they're reading sheet music and they're out of that book. Um, we do some book lines as well, and we're in that book all through the year, uh, but getting them more into real music uh, to where they're like off of the, you know, the training wheel, so to speak. Um, they, they really see that as a big upgrade and they get really excited about being able to read their music. Um, so that's a big thing that we do with them uh, to get them ready for that holiday concert. Um, and then as we get into the spring, we're thinking, okay, these guys are practically seventh graders. Um, where do we want them to be at the beginning of next year? And we kind of find that little in-between spot of where they're at now to where we want to be. We push them a little, make them feel just a little uncomfortable um, with some harder literature, but we also get them excited. So we try to pick some upbeat things to get them excited about going into the next year. So you definitely have your, your expectations and your objectives begin transitioning and shifting as the year goes on. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you use the word confident. Uh, the first event that you all talked about was that band day. And I have to imagine for some of the students, that would be a little bit intimidating, right? I mean, I'm going to go out on the field. I'm going to play outdoors. Uh, it's the first time I have to memorize something. I'm going to play for more parents because there's high school, there's older kids, there's all these different levels present. And I'm going to be exposed to some really high-level musicians there in the DeSoto Central Band. So how do, you, how do you build that confidence when, quite frankly, the event could lend itself to a little fear or concern about that being their first performance? Uh, well, it all kind of starts with just the camaraderie that we have in our school. Um, we, we talk to our high schoolers all the time about 
supporting our middle schoolers. And we talk to our eighth graders and seventh graders about being big brothers and big sisters. And a lot of times they'll come in and they'll see a sixth grader practicing or something during lunch and they'll help them out and they'll make them a little more comfortable with just being around other people that are older than them. Um, and we, you know, we do a lot of repetition of the, the concert lines, like the week coming into it uh, to where they're so comfortable with it, they could do it in their sleep. Um, and that gets them a little bit more confidence, but I mean, just having the, the eighth graders and seventh graders be around a lot more often and giving them like the, you did great guys. You guys are awesome. I can't wait to see you at the concert. Um, they talk to each other on our, our band app that we communicate with, um, just about, you know, how great they're doing and they give each other tips and things. And I think that helps the sixth graders build a little bit more confidence towards that first performance. Yeah. Perfect. Now, Trey, how about for you guys? I mean, what were what were your expectations as you moved through the fall and prepared your students for that first uh, early winter performance or late fall performance with the parents? Well, one thing we actually did, which is I actually call it their their first concert. Uh, I didn't uh, is we actually I, I got studied from Cheryl Floyd at, at an ABA convention and we actually don't let the kids take their instruments home till they can play uh, hot cross buns. Mary had a little lamb and jaws and uh, jaws. It's just the first two notes and gradually speeding them up. And, and as soon as a kid, uh, we were, we were kind of require, we have to say, you know, everybody has to play this before anybody can take their instrument home. Uh, of course, if there's a kid or two that's struggling, we, you know, we won't embarrass that one kid, but we try to get it up. You know, 9,500% of the kids can play those three things. So the first thing their parents actually hear is something that's recognizable and they're not as terrified as if it had been, you know, before that. And so we actually send a a sheet home with them where their parent or guardian uh, has to check off, you know, how long they can hold a long tone, how long they can buzz the sound on their mouthpiece or play their mouthpiece, you know, to flute or clarinet. Um, And then they, check if they're sitting up straight, check if they have their name on their, their instrument case. And it's just a checklist and, and they have, it has yes or no on there. And so there's no, the kid doesn't get anything counted off or anything that he doesn't do well. So there's no pressure there. We just say, get somebody to listen to you, have them fill the sheet out as you play and bring this back by Friday. And you've got a hundred points. It's your first test, your first concert, your first test. And I don't have any of those papers I don't receive any papers back from kids for the next six years in, in band any faster than I get that one back. I'll get, I'll get almost, they're so excited. I'll get almost everyone back the next day. And then it never happens again for six years, but I enjoy it while it lasts. So that's tech, technically our first concert is them playing for their parents. And of course with technology now, we, we encourage them to play on your phone for your grandparents, family, whatever. And so, um, so their first, experience playing is successful because we make sure they know it, you know, before they leave the band room. Of course, they're just chomping at the bit to take their instruments home, you know. And then uh, in December, we have a concert. Uh, They're a part of, uh, we also have an eighth grade, would have an eighth grade band play and then high school band play. So they're a part of the everything. And they just play things out of the beginning band book, you know, Jingle Bells, uh, uh, just it didn't, we didn't necessarily confine it to any kind of holiday tunes, although that one's already in the book and we would play that. And so um, then in February, typically we would have a program that's just, just for them. And um, 
kind of going back a little bit, you're talking about things the kids need to learn, what we want them to learn is that was one of my biggest surprises when I started teaching is how many kids would not show up for a concert. Um, you know, and of course uh, I started teaching back before you had, you know, remind programs and email, any of that kind of stuff. So, you know, getting those kids to take their, the notes about the concert home, you know, we do everything we could do. And it just would surprise me that we'd have, you know, out of say, you know, 80 beginners, we'd have five or six kids not show up, you know, and I couldn't relate to that because I was always excited about it. My parents always made sure that I was where I needed to be. But as I got more experience, I found out that not all, you know, parents are, are staying on top of things like that. But still, the kids did still have to learn how the responsibility of being in band, because a lot of them come in having played soccer or some other sport where they have 15 games or in the summer they have 30 or 40 games. And if they miss two or three, it's no big deal. You know, they got to go on vacation. They got to go on a trip. So a lot of them, it was a very concept, foreign concept to say, you have to be at this, you know, and, and unless there's a death in the family uh, or you're very, very ill, you've got to be there. And that's really new to a lot of them. And so, so I think a lot of the, just the process of dependability starts right with that, that first concert as well. And, and how every single one of them is, is important. And there's nobody that could slack off and not be there. But I kind of went back and said that. But that, that's a big concept there beyond the music is teaching them to be uh, accountable and dependable. But anyway, the, the February concert, um, I could give more details on what we do there later. But then we do another concert uh, in May. And uh, another factor I'd, I'd suggest people uh, think about uh, early in my career, I felt like our final concerts were just so unbelievably long. And uh, you start with the beginners, end up with the high school. And by the time you got to the high school, even though you told the beginners they had to be there to listen to the high school, somehow they would sneak out and parents would come up at the last minute with all these emergencies that they had to leave for. And so uh, towards the end of my tenure at Paragould, I actually switched it and had the high school band go first. So everybody sees them and all the beginners see them. And then we'd actually work backwards and have the beginners last and it always worked fine. Now, when I got to Riverview, what I did was it, it, would, call, it would, would be spent an extra night up there, but so that everybody wasn't worn out, every kid got the attention they needed from the audience and their parents, we'd actually do uh, two concert, two final concerts rather than one. So I, I think that's a consideration. I didn't mind coming up an extra night. I just preferred two shorter nights where everybody was attentive than one very long night where everybody was about to die by the end of it. I could see that. Well, I think, I think the point you made about getting the students in the habit early and, and learning that concert etiquette and the importance of their participation and attendance. I mean, Tyler, do you all have kind of a similar reaction out of the gate when you have that first performance and, and you have to start maybe either setting the bad, uh, good habits or breaking the bad ones as it relates to the importance of arriving and, participating in performances this is our number one problem that yeah. always happens at a first performance um and we we nip that in the butt as soon as we can starting off at the beginning of the year uh but um you know typically by that first concert we we've harped so much on you've got to sit up straight you got to point your bell to my face all these little details that the kids um you know need to know to be a great musician uh that it becomes you know, second nature when it's time for a concert, it's nothing new. It's just another day. 
Yeah. Uh, so we, we really harp on that. But with the, we do have some issues with like sports and trying to compete with sports sometimes. And not only like the parents viewing band as equal to sports. So we do have to battle with that a little bit sometimes to get them to get okay. them. Yeah, and we, and I, I found out too that we, um, earlier in my career, we put all, because of athletics, we always put all our concerts on Sunday afternoons. And uh, so we had a little, a few more issues with that because of transportation and kids forgetting or the, not telling their parents and then not having a ride, that kind of stuff. So uh, at Riverview, I did almost all my concerts during the week. We had had to work with sports and all that. And we would just tell the kids, you know, if you don't think you're going to make it back to the concert, don't go home. And so one of us would always have to stay between the end of school and the concert you know, to, to watch those kids, but it was worth us, worth it for us to have a hundred percent attendance. So, um, you know, that's another consideration, you know, do you do your concerts on a Sunday or you do, you do them, you know, on a weekday and we, we, the weekday improved our attendance a tremendous amount as long as it wasn't up against something else. Perfect. Well, Jocelyn, take us through the why. I mean, you guys are, are, pretty performance heavy. Uh, and I suspect there's some intentionality behind there. And we talked a little bit about what your objectives were moving through, but I mean, what's, what's the bigger why? I mean, I s- suspect a lot of educators may be thinking my kids aren't ready the, from the musicianship standpoint. So why do you all go ahead and move forward with so many uh, performances? Um, I, we did a big reflection at the end of last year And well, actually, I think it was before that, you know, COVID and everything. And we were just reflecting on how we weren't having as much fun with just sticking to our routine of, you know, working on, you know, just lines or working on fundamentals, which are important. (laughs) Um, But if we're not having as much fun, I know the kids aren't having as much fun either. Um, So we decided to throw in this extra concert Halloween and just trying to get the kids more excited about playing their instrument and picking pieces that have those core fundamental concepts in them and kind of teaching along into that music as well with alongside of, you know, whatever band book and lines that we're working on. Um, And that worked really well for us last year. I think we got, we had better retention from year to year and um, it just got the kids more excited. They showed up to class. They, you know, were excited to play at the concerts and whatnot. And I think, I mean, that's the ultimate why, right? Like that's why kids join band is to perform and play their instrument. Um, And, you know, maybe not learn scales, but they gotta learn them anyway, but it's all about, you know, getting those kids to have fun and get them through up into the high school um, and get them that experience as well. So it made it, yeah. So it made a good impact on your retention, Jocelyn. I, yeah, I think so. Just within the within the high, uh, middle school for sure. You know, last year was kind of a weird year with COVID and everything. So <laughs> let's throw that one away. Um, but um, but you know, just from in the middle school, we're keeping them, and then you know, we're we have some deficits at the high school. So trying to push them and get them, getting them excited about high school band as well, um, and interacting with the high school between eighth grade and and high school is really important as well. But yeah, I, I believe it helped with retention because they. We're more excited about it. Yeah. And I was going to say, ultimately, I think it started last year in the spring. Mm-hmm. We we use this thing called the band app. Um, and, and it's how we communicate. Um, and we thought, let's just live stream a class concert 
with our seventh graders. Why not? Let's just try it. See what happens. And you wouldn't believe the amount of comments and cheers and emojis going crazy over that concert. And it was just like, we only played one piece that was three minutes long, but those kids had a blast doing it. The parents got to watch. We saved it to the app so they could watch it over and over and over again. Um, and then as soon as that happened, we had sixth grade families that are like, when are we going to do a concert? Eighth grade, when are we going to do a concert? Uh, so I think that got the ball rolling a little bit and it became obvious to us, like these kids just want to perform. They just want to be in the spotlight. So that's a great example. Are you, are you all going to continue to do the live stream band app, even though in-person performances are an option now? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I think that that's a great takeaway. And so you guys would just set the camera up, live stream a line out of the book, send it to the parents and let them watch it and, and call it a concert. Huh? Am I understanding yeah. that correctly? Yeah, exactly. Uh, like we were working on, um, themes from Alice in Wonderland with a seventh grade. Um, and, you know, it's that awkward time between January and February when you're like, okay, we got to do some fundamentals, but we don't want to pull out the spring concert music yet because we're going to work on it for 75 months. Like <laughs> we don't want to do that. So what do you do? Well, you sight read some pieces, you find something the kids dig and work it up. I mean, we didn't make it perfect uh, by any means, but we got it to where it was recognizable. The kids had a fun time playing it. And then we showed it off to the parents. And then we, by saying that expectation, you only have X amount of weeks to learn this. The kids were in it. They were working hard. They were going after it. And then we put that piece away and did it again with another piece. And that helped their reading skills. It helped them want to be in the band room more often practicing because they knew they had those expectations. Um, And it overall just made the retention better from person to person. You're listening to After Hours, Conversations for Music Educators from October 12th, 2021, presented by Amro Music. When you purchase your classroom supplies, books, and accessories from Amro, you're joining over 600 schools in seven states who partner with us to bring the joy of music to thousands of young musicians, and you're also supporting this podcast. Our Director Services Department can help you have your best year yet. You can just email seth at amromusic.com or alan at amromusic.com. Now back to Nick Averwater and his conversation about hosting a fall beginner band concert. His guests include Jocelyn Hembrook and Tyler Hart, both from DeSoto Central Middle School in South Haven, Mississippi, and Trey Reilly, who retired in 2019 after 34 years as a band director in Paragould, Arkansas and Searcy, Arkansas. Now, Trey... Coming back to your your December concert, uh, unpacking that very first concert with the beginner, uh, did you incorporate any other constituents into that performance other than just the beginning musicians? I mean, talk to us. Did you include the the principal, the superintendent, the band parents, older students, anything like that to kind of create that bigger sense of community within that concert? Uh, well, the first one, one thing I was going to kind of kind of say. Uh, just backing up a little bit about having the kids play earlier. Uh, one thing is I, I tell a lot of my music interns uh, when I talk to them is don't just teach the way that you were taught. Uh, sometimes you have to kind of do that to survive your first year. You just rely on what you know. But when I was in sixth grade, we had one concert at the end of the year. When a student taught, we call it student teaching back then. We had a con- beginners had a concert at the end of the year. So I just thought that's what everybody in the world did. And so uh, when I came in my first job, that's what I was planning on doing uh, until I found out that 
you know, they, they did them in December and I was terrified because I didn't know anybody ever had beginners play that early. Um, but so I kind of did it just to keep up with what they'd done before, but it, but it ended up being a very, very good thing. And, uh, where I was very hesitant to do it before because I'd never been taught to do it that way. So I, I think it's, it's good to think about new things. And one of those new things is getting those kids out there sooner. Um, I think as far as our first concert goes, um, you know, it depend on, depends on where you teach, you know, where I taught it, um, at Riverview, at least one administrator uh, was required to be there. So you'd always have at least one there. Uh, it kind of depended. And would, sometimes we'd have an administrator's kid in the group and then they would be there. Uh, so uh, I think the one that was really special that was just theirs was the one that we did in February. And we would work real hard to have administrators there because at that one, we actually showed uh, how we taught and how those kids sounded their first day and of course the kids love that because we'd say, okay, sound as bad as you can. And so, so I'd actually conduct like it's going to be something wonderful and I get louder and softer and, you know, and we typically have a tuba cut off late and just kind of bring it like down, like he's dying or something. And of course, you know, they would laugh, the audience would laugh, you know, and we'd say, okay, that's how we sounded the first, but we gradually just went exercise to exercise and, um, and talked about, you know, we, if you have two direct, what we do when we had two directors, when I didn't have the program by myself, we have one do the kind of the narration and the other conducts that move, you know, pretty quickly because there is a lot of talking on that kind of concert, but it's so short anyway, you know, the, the, you know, the parents don't mind. And, but we just talk about how we got from quarter notes to half notes to whole notes and eighth notes and, and that kind of thing. And so the administrators, uh, that's a very unique experience for them because uh, except for, you know, they, they maybe pop into people's classes and see little samples of what they're doing. Um, but they, they don't ever really uh, see, you know, see that. And so I think they're really are very, very interested, you know, just to see how do we teach these kids to breathe and, and get a sound on the instrument and, uh, and how do we get them from here to here? And uh, so uh, that's where our kids really get a lot of their, their attention. And we really, really like to get the administrators in at that one because it's fairly informal. So it's not this big concert where even they're kind of worried about anything. They're just in there, you know, relaxed and it's, it's, it's a good thing all around. Perfect. Yeah. I think that that's a great point too. The, just the benefit of having those students out in front of administrators. And again, uh, your program is just visible. And we've talked extensively on after hours about the importance of program visibility, particularly when, when there's things that you need assistance with or help with as recruiting or uh, resources or what have you um, just the importance of that. So I think that's a great point, Trey, about how we can bring the administrator in uh, and just their presence and getting them to participate in this concert sees the progression of the program. Tyler, how about for you guys? I mean, do you all um, approach this intentionally with an opportunity to incorporate, incorporate, you know, the principal, the superintendent, band parents, and kind of bring together that whole band community, kind of set that expectation early? Uh, yeah, um, absolutely. We, in a similar fashion, we have to have an administrator in every um, event, um, but it's not uncommon to have at least three of our four admins there um, just to be there to support us because they just love the band. Uh, we've kind of built that culture up uh, quite a bit here, and they love to come and support us. Uh, but um, we've never had um, this beginner concert where um, it's featured around the sixth grade until this year, and it's next week. 
Um, but, but I mean, it's going to be kind of similar to what Trey was saying. Like we want to teach the audience, teach the administrators, how we teach the kids, um, going from the days where they sounded like Jurassic Park soundtrack to, oh my gosh, they made a note. And now I can recognize that song. Um, and you know, we have our percussion doing really cool groove things and that they're going to do in between. And, um, it just makes it really fun for the administrators to come and watch that and to see what we're all about. Um, and it gives them more um, opportunities to invite us to do things around the school. Uh, so like, because of that, they want our class to come and play in the commons as kids are coming in in the morning. Um, it just gives us, you know, more of a, a culture face um, around the school building and they enjoy being there and supporting us. So. Perfect. Well, I've heard I've heard stories about educators that go as far as to invite the administrators to narrate uh, and, and yeah. participate, you know, be on stage with the kids and help to kind of narrate everything. Uh, and then I've also heard of some that go as far as to do a, let me sure I'm describing this right, a parent concert where the kid has to go home and teach the parent how to play the notes. And then the parents come up on stage and they have to do the beginner concert. So I've heard some people that really go to the extremes uh, when it comes to this beginner concert, but a bunch of different ways to do it. But most important thing is people are making music and playing and having fun together. So speaking of parents, Jocelyn, the parents, I mean, when I hear the word concert, I envision a concert, right? Like if, if you're not a parent from uh, a rich musical background, you might envision the first concert and have this symphony level expectation when the big hall and that's where the kids are going to be. But how do you communicate expectations with the parents and kind of set the tone about where they are realistically? Or is there even a need to do that as long as it's their angel on stage and they're the ones that are in the spotlight? Uh, I really don't. I mean, we, we tell them at the beginning, you know, if you you know, about cell phones, you know, don't clap in between them. And we tell them like those musical expectations that they probably don't know in a formal concert setting. Um, if you've got a small child, sit towards the front, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but other than that, like, I think if they know the expectation, okay. I, I heard cow sounds down the hallway. I know that it's probably not going to be like, angels singing from the rafters um but uh you know they're the parents are always really great you know and and other than that I don't think that you know as long as their baby's playing and they see them playing that instrument that they're investing in that you know they're going to be happy with the overall performance and when you have it with other grades they're going to be able to see okay that's what my kid's going to do next year that's really cool you know or in eighth grade. Wow. That's really awesome. You know? And so that's why we like doing those group concerts so that they can start seeing that expectation for the following years to come. Perfect. Yeah. Tyler. Yeah. I was going to add something about parent expectations. Um, when, when we do our concerts, I like to, you know, cause everyone has like super busy lives and we're all being pulled in a thousand different directions. You've got soccer moms and basketball dads. Um, and it's hard to keep up with what, every kid's doing if you have multiple kids in your family. So when we start our concerts, I like to just do a flashback with, with my parents and say, these kids just got their instruments X weeks ago. And we took the first five days teaching them how to put them together, how to read music, how to hold it, going through that whole process. Um, Cause I really want them to understand the realism of how far their child has come in such a short amount of time. 
And I think that's what makes it magical when they hear that first piece being played, that warm up piece or, you know, line, whatever. Um, like, wow, you know, I heard the things coming out of that room, but now it's like, I can hear what's going on uh, with the entire program. Um, and I think, you know, and, and when we get into the December concert, we reflect back, remember what your kids sounded like at that first concert. And then remember what your kids sounded like at the Christmas concert in the spring. Um, and it's just, it's cool to watch them grow. And I think putting that into perspective for the parents, it really helps about them value what's going on here educationally. Yeah. I think that's a great way to bring some perspective to the conversation. That's fantastic. Um, as we transition a little bit, Tyler, I do have a question here uh, and we're kind of backing up to a previous comment, but you had mentioned creating the opportunity for your seventh and eighth graders to be together with your beginners. Um, how well did you arrange that from a scheduling perspective? Cause we're getting a question here from our Q and a about um, was that something that was pre-built into the schedule or did you create a time intentionally for them to, to spend that time together? Um, it's something that just got kind of fathered in. Uh, it was an, it was a happy accident. So basically what happened was we, um, I'm always at my school. We start school at eight o'clock. I'm always at school around seven. I come in an hour early to get work done and everything. And, uh, I started having kids ask, can I come in and practice in the morning? And I was like, yeah, of course. Um, although only if you're going to come in and do the, what you're supposed to be doing, not messing around, of course, playing and things like that. Um, and then it became like this culture where like, if you're not in morning practice club, you're wrong. <laughs> and like, people are like, get your butt to practice club. Um, and so it became this really big thing. Uh, of course, I mean, that was, this is all pre COVID. So once COVID happened, um, it's been kind of uh, a little less of that. Um, but that was a big deal. And so we would have six writers in here practicing and without being prompted, seventh and eighth graders would go over there and be like, Hey, I hear you're playing Mary had a little lamb. Uh, you want to play together? And they would just sit down and do it together. And the world of difference that makes in those sixth graders, uh, you know, willingness to want to learn more is just amazing. Um, but what we've been doing the past uh, year or year and a half uh, since COVID started is the kids have come down during their lunch period, like they'll, they'll eat their lunch. And uh, we talked to the admin and they said, yeah, if they're done eating lunch and you want them to come down during your planning or whatever, they can come down, they can practice. Um, and even if they're down here for like 10 minutes, they're coming down just to work something out. And a lot of times you'll have multiple grades in the same, in the same room and they'll do that same thing. We'll go sit down and work with each other and they'll get together and play things. And it's just a really cool thing to watch Boston. That's a great example. So very much an open door policy there and encouraging the students to come down and just enjoy the camaraderie, just hanging out in the band classroom. Perfect. Well, I think that's, that's fantastic. So moving, moving on here, we've just got a few more minutes left and I, I wanted to pick all of your brains and see if there's any do nots that you need to do uh, or things that you all did that did not go well the first time you hosted a beginner concert and some guidance that maybe you can share with others that may be considering doing this for the first time. Jocelyn, we'll start with you. Is there anything you tried that perhaps did not go so well? Well, I think we were talking about um, band night as a whole, like that's where we have grades six through 12 all together. And in the past, we've had all the grades kind of stay after school and we walk them over and that's kind of a nightmare. <laughs> um, and just having all of those kids with only us too. Um, and 
just logistically, it's a, it's a lot to happen. Um, so when you, when doing something like that, you really need extra parent help and volunteers and, and, and things like that to help it run a lot more smoothly. Um, so that's, I guess, from a logistical standpoint, and Tyler has a musical stand. If you're going to try to play something all together, <laughs> rehearse it first. A lot. And that's like a duh. Like, you're a band director. You should be doing this anyways. Uh, but how easy, realistically, is it for all of us to get 6 through 12 together on a school day to rehearse? Um, that just logistically doesn't happen very often. Um, and if you know a way to make that happen, shoot me an email because I'd like <laughs> to know. Um, but we always try to do like one piece with the entire six through 12 uh, where we're doing like the Hey song together. Um, so we're spread from like 20 to 20 and from the front field to the back field with high school six through eight. And it always falls apart every single year. Uh, and we, no matter how much we rehearse it, um, or don't rehearse it rather. Uh, so that's just something like, if you're going to do something like that, like plan for those things to happen and what you're going to do if it happens, um, and how you're going to just move on from it because, um, we've always recovered really well. Uh, but it was always one of those like, Ooh, scary moments, uh, getting through that. So I would definitely recommend lots of practice. Okay. So I, I, unpacking this further, I, I guess what you're saying is, is if your first performance is going to be a group one, consider the environment's going to change. They're going to be playing outside, not in the band room. There's some uh, different sound acoustics going on, probably outside. Uh, and then you've got just the, the scope, the size of the ensemble now has significantly grown and everything that goes along with that uh, playing in an outdoor setting. Uh, so these are all considerations for those that might be thinking their first performance might be a big group setting outdoor with the high school band. Am I articulating that clearly? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and I, I will add uh, something else logistically um, is with our band night, we always do like food orders. So the parents buy meals and they get to eat with their child and everything. And um, you can never have enough parental help for that. Uh, we last year, I think we had like, what, like 17 or 18 parents or something. And it still wasn't enough, um, for our program. Um, and that was like cooking, passing out the food and it was my orders wrong. Yeah, so many things can go wrong. You've got to be very, very detail oriented and get all that stuff lined up and have a lots and lots of help. So. Perfect. Trey, how about for you? Anything that you tried that maybe you tweaked as, uh, your experience grew on the first performance? Well, I think, I, I think probably ours, we took the February concert talking about that. I think we didn't really necessarily do anything wrong early on, but we maybe didn't have enough things going on. So we kind of improved it as we went uh, a couple of things that we made better. We would give uh, our band booster uh, president a chance to talk and talk about what band boosters is on that night. Cause a lot of times they, they have no idea. And then also we originally didn't have an advanced group play with the beginners at that February concert, but eventually we would add a jazz band so that, and, and the concerts were very informal. Uh, Riverview, they were in the cafeteria for years and years because we didn't even have an auditorium stage. So you had kind of a, a neat environment where everybody's pretty close together. Uh, most of them knew who the high school kids in the jazz band were, you know? And so we were just right there in front of the parents. We say, this is where your kids are now. If they keep working, they're going to be able to play some of this fun stuff that these high school kids over here are playing. And, 
you know, so that, that was kind of the thing we didn't do early on that we should have is just make it just clear as day what their kids could do if they keep working, you know, and it's just right there in front of them in an intimate setting, you know, so. That's perfect. Well, as we wrap up our conversation, one of the things that I am uh, both encouraged by, but I think probably needs to be highlighted in this conversation is that for each of you, the, the what and the how is all very different whether it's the the band night with the six through 12 and on the football field, or whether it's in the cafeteria or the auditorium or a Halloween concert, the, the, what is very different. Uh, the, how we do it is very different, but the why through all of it is consistent. And that's to help get the kids having fun performing in front of loved ones and just build that general excitement. So uh, I, th- I think that really just that, that thread goes through all of the different examples that you all made that, um, you know, what you play or how you play it or where you play it or who you play it with uh, is not what's most important, but the why of just having fun, getting kids performing, getting them in front of parents, uh, boost retention and, and uh, is good for everybody all around. So absolutely wonderful. Well, Trey, Tyler, Jocelyn, uh, thank you all so much. I just appreciate everything that you all do. I appreciate you coming on here and sharing your insight, your thoughts on how you all host your first performance, what your goals and objectives are, and uh, appreciate everything that you do. Um, I know teaching through COVID has not been easy, Tyler and Jocelyn and Trey, for your entire career, uh, but you all are making a difference in the lives of your students and your communities and schools. So from all of us at AMRO, thank you very much. And Thanks for being a part of After Hours tonight. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, there's one other thing I want to put a plug in here as we transition away. This whole point of the the concert is to celebrate your beginner musicians. And another wonderful way to do that, and I would be remiss if I didn't put a plug for this myself, is through the first performance National Day of Celebration. Now, some of you may or may not be familiar. This is the little brother of NAMS Make Music Day. And really the the purpose of the first performance national day of celebration is simply to celebrate your beginners, to give a day, find a reason to celebrate your beginners and mark that transition of accomplishing what you've done in your beginner band and transition them to the more advanced. So this year's uh, national day of celebration is going to be Thursday, November 18th. Again, that's nationwide. And it's just an opportunity to put a day on our calendars to celebrate our beginners, to do something fun, whether it's a pizza party, whether it's hosting a beginner concert, whether it's simply having the principal come down and hand out certificates, whatever it is that you want to do. uh, That's a wonderful way to, again, build that excitement, continue that why. So on that note, that's all I have for this evening. Uh, Again, Jocelyn, Tyler, Trey, thank you so much. Today's episode is produced by Joel Hurd and Emily McGee. I'm your host, Nick Aberwater. And to all of our friends in music education, thanks for the difference that you make in your students' lives in our schools and in our community. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to After Hours, conversations for music educators presented by Amro Music. This podcast features conversations with music educators who are finding innovative ways to teach their students. You can hear more conversations at amromusic.com slash after hours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators, just like you, can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.